0: Holy Spirit to preach and teach through me. All glory and honor belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, the Lord began to lift up to me things that he wanted me to share uh, this Sunday. And I at first thought I was going in one direction and he kind of rerouted me in another direction. So I I I have about four points that I want to share with you about understanding Jesus as the lamb that was slain and Jesus as the worthy lamb. We've just come off of Easter and we've celebrated the risen Christ, we've celebrated his resurrection, but as we move forward in this uh, coming year, we want to recognize the fullness of who Jesus is for us. Yes, he has taken our sins upon us. But what does heaven say about Jesus and what he has done for us? And the first thing that the Lord wanted me to let you know, and and um, I was just so shocked the way the Lord had me start this sermon, um, is uh, from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, verse 9. And this is from the Amplified Version. He wanted you to know that first that... This scripture reveals his heart toward each and every one of you. Deuteronomy 32 verse 9 says, For the Lord's portion and chosen share is his people. More than all the silver, more than all the gold, more than all the power of the universe, his reward, his portion is you. That's his stance towards you. And this was his stance way before Jesus ever set foot on this earth. He was in love with you before you even came into this world. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 also reveals the Lord's heart. It says, the Lord appeared to me and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. God is constantly, if you look back over your life, there's been so many things that He's tried to do to get you to this moment here where you were in relationship with Him. He woos us like a lover. You remember when you first start dating? And your, your mind is just constantly on that person, and you just you're thinking about them. Uh, in this new age of technology, uh, you're just looking at your text messages every two seconds. Did they? You know, is it going to ring? God is looking at each and every one of you, and He says, "Whenever you turn your heart toward Me, whenever you turn your thoughts toward Me, I'm just wooing you in because I love you." He delights in just being with you. That's his heart toward you because this is his heart toward you he kind of looks at us as if we are so near and dear to him we are part of himself it's almost like a, a mother who carries a baby in, in her womb even though that baby might be produced we remember that that eight or nine months we carried and we remember how closely in love we were that baby was so much a part of us. God still carries us like that in his heart when he walks toward us when he thinks toward us psalms 95 verse 7 this is not on the the screen here it says for god he is our god and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand he, this was a curious thing, but remember, he's, he's talking to an agrarian society. He's talking to a culture that has raised sheeps and goats. But it, it's interesting the way the Lord calls us his sheep, and we are the sheep of his hand. That means that we are constantly uh, my, in his mind, and he's constantly having his hand in our lives. This is an important foundation to understand why Jesus is the lamb that was slain. Because God is not looking at us saying, oh, I need to come down because these people are so wicked and so horrible and so sinful. He's saying, I need to come down because I love them so much. I don't want anything to separate me from them. I love them so much that I don't want any discord or distance between us. I, want, I love them so much that I'm going to send my son down and I'm going to have him die in their place so that not only can I be close to them, but I can be inside of them. That's how much he loves us. And so the crucifixion of Jesus is actually a love story. It's a love story that God wanted to remove everything that would keep us from him. And so if you look at your scriptures, if especially if you look at the gospel of John, Jesus is called many things. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the Rose of Sharon, but in the gospels he's also the Lamb of God. And isn't it interesting that the king of king and lord of lords uh, is so powerful. I mean, he flung the stars of, in the heavens and he moved across the face of the earth. And yet God said he's a lamb, meek and mild. John chapter 1 verse 29 says, the God, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming and he said, And this is the Passion Translation, which I love. It says, John cried and said, look, there he is, God's lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. Jesus comes as a lamb. He comes as the ultimate symbol of sacrifice for sin. If you know your Old Testament, you know that lambs were the sin offering. And so Jesus comes as a meek and mild lamb. And then he comes to be slain. Now, a lot of us... Understand that he is slain because he takes our sin upon his body. He takes our sickness upon his body. His blood is shed for us, but he also comes because he loves us. He is the lamb that was slain because it signals his love for us and that he lays down his life. Again, in John chapter 13, verse 1. Jesus is at the Passover, and a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, this is, you know, Jesus was signaling his death on the cross, but I love the passion translation because it captures the heart of God. It says all throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them, and now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. It's almost as like he's been walking with the disciples all this time, and yet he's unable to fully reveal how much he loves them. But in the Passover, he demonstrates, I love you so much, I will lay my life down for you. This is the deepness of God's love. Jesus is on the cross now. This is after Passover. Passover. And we fully get a glimpse of how deeply he loves us because as he is hanging on the cross, and remember he's been whipped and beaten, flesh has been torn off of his body, his hands are stretched, he's having trouble breathing, his heart is literally bursting within him, and his blood is flowing, and in the middle of that, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Do you see the depths of his love? You know, when you love somebody so much, it doesn't matter what they do, you might feel hurt, but that love doesn't go away. It doesn't matter how deeply that you might feel betrayed. If they're your child, you just love them. You can't help it. This is how Jesus looked at those who were persecuting him. The other part of this moment when Jesus is on the cross is he begins to reveal other aspects of his love. I want you to think of God's love as a multi faceted diamond cut in so many different ways. You just can't capture all of the glimmers of light that are just flowing out toward you. He says, Father, forgive them. That's one of the first things he says. The second thing he says, and this is not in the order, but these are the three things that I'm lifting up, is he tells the thief on the cross, he says, I promise you this very day you will enter paradise with me. This is not just for the thief. Not only does he forgive us, but he also has made a part and a place for us in heaven. We are guaranteed never to be separated from him, even death. Death in Jesus is just but a comma. And then you have the rest of your life. And so you ought to look at every funeral as a comma. No matter how tragic, no matter uh, how they died, or no matter how uh, tumultuous their life was, you ought to look at death as a comma, because when you are in Jesus, it begins the rest of your life. And so you're guaranteed never to be separated from God. And those who have gone on to glory, they have given you that same comma. They've given you the promise that you will see them again. The next thing that Jesus said was the last thing. They said when he has sipped the sour wine, he says, it is finished my bride. Then he bowed his head and surrendered his spirit to God. He said, it is finished my bride. Do you know God looks at us as his bride? He fell so hard. He wanted to walk in covenant with us. He fell so hard for us. He wanted to make sure that a blood covenant was cut, that we would never be separated from his love, and he wanted to be intimate and in unity with us. Isn't that powerful? So you see that sin is not the forefront thing in God's mind. It is the love that he has for us. What if you got up every morning and say, Lord, I know you love me. Lord, I know I'm special in your eyes. Lord, I know that you gave your son for me and that because you gave your son for me, you're just in love with me. You know, it's one thing to come and walk around and say, Lord, I know you love me. But it's another thing to say, Lord, I know you're in love with me. You ever seen somebody in love with you? They just look at you all the time. You just can't stop grinning. You grin so hard your cheeks hurt. That's how the Lord looks at you. When I was dating Ricky D over here, <laughs> we would go out to dinner and I couldn't stop smiling. He just made me smile. And then I fell so hard, you know, he put that smile on you, you just, you know, him and uh, angel they just have the most beautiful smile. The first time I saw Angel smile, I said, what do you want me to do? You, give me, you want me to give you the moon? I'll give you the moon. <laughs> When you're in love, you just light up. And so when God looks at you, he's just lighting up with joy and with passion towards you. That's how God feels about you. But what does heaven look at God? How does heaven understand God's love for you? The book of Revelations is such a powerful text. And Revelations chapter 5, verses 7 through 9 gives us a glimpse of how heaven how the host of heaven, the angelic host, the seraphim and the cherubim and all of the angelic creatures that are up in glory, how they are riveted upon God's attention towards you. Revelations chapter 5 verse 7, there's a scene when John has a vision that the Lord gives him, and he's up in the throne room of God, and the angels are flying down, and and there's a scroll there, and everyone is is looking at this scroll, and they're trying to figure out what this parchment, this rolled-up parchment has on it. And there's 24 elders, the scriptures say, that are there, and all of the highest angels in rank and authority are there looking, and John is there, and they're looking at this scroll, and it has seven seals. And everybody's in a dilemma because they don't know how they're going to open it and see what the words are that are on it. And John begins to weep as he's looking at this scroll. But then all of a sudden there's one being that begins to come and walk toward that scroll. And this is where Revelation chapter 5 says, And I want to set this tone for you because there's, if you haven't read Revelations 5, I've encouraged you. uh, Some of this will not be on the screen. It says, each of them, the 24 elders, they were all face down at the feet of the lamb, that's Jesus, and they were worshiping him. Each of them had a harp and golden boils brimming full of sweet fragrances. Those sweet fragrances were the prayers of God's holy lovers. Did you know, this is just a side note, this is just extra, when you pray, do you know that it comes up as a fragrance before God? Do you know that it comes and it feels a brim and God sees us as golden? It's a every prayer, even if it's a prayer that says Jesus, sometimes if you just sigh and you just say, Lord, it's a fragrance unto you. He's so in love with you that your very thoughts and words to him are sweet-smelling before his nose. They were all singing a new song of praise to the Lamb, and this is what the song says. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, every language, people group, and nation. Heaven is praising the Lamb of God for sacrificing his very life for those that he loved. As this verse goes on, you'll see scriptures that say that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's also heralded as the root of Jesse, He's the root that comes from the loins of Jesse, so he's called the root of David. Now, I want to teach you just a little bit. The line of the tribe of Judah was told way back in Genesis chapter 49, but we see it again in Isaiah chapter 11, and it talks about Judah being like a lioness, unstoppable, unbeatable, whose reign will just go on forever. So if you're interested and you want to do some homework, it's Genesis chapter 49 verse 8 and Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 and 10. I want to read Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. It says, may he rest, may he dwell in strength like a lion and like a lioness, and there is no kingdom that can shake him. This is what Jesus is called. And he's Named after what God has decreed about Judah. The root of David in Hebrew actually means the conquering Messiah. David is remember that davidic line jesus comes through that line and the understanding is that jesus is the conquering messiah so what does this mean and why are the folk the angels in up in heaven saying jesus you're lion of the tribe of judah and you're the root of david what what does that mean Why, why are they saying that and remember he's a lamb i thought this was the most powerful thing about this whole text Jesus is victorious, not because he operates in military might. He's victorious, not because he has all power to overthrow principalities and powers. He's victorious because he lays down his life for those that he loves. He wins by sacrifice. He doesn't win by the dictates in the operation of the world. If we wanted to take folk down, we'd call the army and the U.S. and the Air Force, and and we would drop bombs and do all sorts of military things. If we want to win, we would have strength and power and might. But Jesus says, no, I come to submit to the powers that be. I lay down my life and my sacrifice because then I can take my life back in more power. That's how we win. That's why he is worthy to be the lamb that was slain because as he lays down his life, he takes back power, not only unto himself, but to those who are like him. Revelations 5 verse 12 says, Worthy is Christ the lamb who was slaughtered to receive great power, might, wealth, Wisdom, honor, glory, and praise. Praise and honor, dominion and power. Be unto God our King, the Lamb forever and ever. This is what heaven is saying about what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. What is our response? If this is heaven's response, what should our response be? 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. The Passion Translation says by living in God, love has been brought to its fullest expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Ain't that something? Yeah. All that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. What, what Is Jesus now, and this is bad English, but look, we we just need to hang here for a minute, right? What is Jesus now is? Jesus now is honor, glory, dominion, and power, might, wealth, wisdom. So are we. I need to say that again. Jesus now is. And because we are in him, we now are, not was, not going to be, we now are, might, wealth, wisdom, honor, glory, and praise. What if you get up every morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to look at my circumstance? I'm not going to let the dictates of my how I feel or what's going on on my bank account determine who I am. I'm going to let this scripture says that as Jesus is, so am I in this world. And so I have everything at my beck and call. And even though it might not manifest today, I know it's on the way. I'm going to walk in a different mentality than what I'm previously walking in because I know that because Jesus is victorious, I'm victorious. Because he has might, I have might. Because he has wealth, I have wealth. Because he walks in the glory of God and the empowerment of the king, so I walk in the glory and the empowerment of the king. I think our, our, our walk with God is, is, number one, falling in love with the one who loves us. And see, once you have that firm foundation, once you root yourself in understanding how much he loves you, then you can walk in what he says you are and how you operate. Isn't that wonderful? So that means every morning we walk up. Now, listen, if you don't wake up in the morning and you remind yourself who you are and who Jesus is, then you'll let the enemy tell you who you are. And you'll let the things of the Lord slip from you. But if you make a promise as you're brushing your teeth, what does Revelation chapter 5 say who I am? Because I'm in Jesus. Didn't Revelation say that I walk in victory? Didn't Revelation say that even though my pocketbook doesn't look like I'm going to make my bills, that God is going to bring away? He loves you so much. He doesn't see what you did yesterday. He doesn't see what you did today. He sees you through Jesus. I'd like to pray with you before we move on. And as I pray this prayer, I'd like you to get your hearts and minds for communion. Because we're going to move right into that. But when Jesus was on that cross, and his body was beaten They say he took every bruise. They say that cat of nine tails ripped his flesh so that your every sin was washed by the blood that came from those wounds. But from those wounds came your healing. It came your restoration. It came your peace. It came your substance. It came your willingness you see, God can even make you willing to be willing to do the things that you know you need to do. So if those of you who are under the sound of my voice and are habits that you still are struggling with, for those under the sound of my voice and there's still sickness in your body, for those under the sound of my voice and there's still depression that's ravaging your thoughts, for those who are still struggling with children who are far off, For those who are still grieved because of life, that you just have betrayal and hurt and resentment. For those who just feel overwhelmed and just don't know what to do, that when you take communion, you know, that represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. And as you take it, that means he takes everything and he gives you the great exchange. Of his life and of his health and and of his peace of mind and and he heals broken hearts and and he binds up wounds and he, he even takes the sting out of betrayal and so as you take this bread, you say, Lord, I thank you that you're taking everything out of my life that's not supposed to be there. You're taking every hurt, every pain, every addiction. You're taking it on yourself and you're freeing me to walk in how much you love me. And as you take the grape juice, as you dip that bread in the grape juice that represents the blood of Jesus, you're you're recognizing that, that God has stripped away every sin, every failure, every mistake, every place that you're not right with God, and he's equated to you right standing in his son. And you walk victorious because you walk covered in the blood of Jesus. I pray, Father, that they remember these words as they partake in this next moment. And Holy Spirit, I just release your presence, your healing power through the elements today. And I thank you, Lord, that new faith is released, that chains are broken, that ideas are just filled with your light and wisdom, that hearts are healed, and that hope is birthed anew. all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and receive.